Thank you for tuning in to Hacks and Hobbies with your host, Junaid. In season two of Hacks and Hobbies, we're visited by our amazing guests coming from all walks of life who want to learn their story, their struggles, and their journey on how they got to where they are today. So stick around. In this episode, I get to speak with Tom Malloy. He's a actor, writer, and producer, and he's been on many, many movies and TV shows. And I had the opportunity to attend his workshop at the VIP Film and TV Summit here in Northern Virginia. And I learned a lot of amazing things about the movie business, especially from the production side of things. Now, being in so many different hobbies, I had very little experience into what it all takes and just having produced one short film last month for a make a month movie project. This was like right in line to like, this was, this couldn't have been a better time than meeting and attending something that goes into production. And I had the opportunity to attend uh, the workshop. And I got to talk to Tom and I, was, uh, and I was like, hey, I would love to bring you on and talk more about you and how you got into this business. So thank you so much, Tom. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. Definitely. Awesome. Awesome. So I'm not sure how aware of Tom Malloy my audience might be. So let's just do a little bit of rundown of who Tom Malloy is and what he's doing on this earth. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it's, um, I started as an actor mm-hmm. and, uh, the kind of quick story is that, um, but, you know, I always wanted to be since I was, it was young. I mean, you know, in fourth grade, I was the lead, lead male role in Peter Pan. Peter mm-hmm. Pan was a girl. I was Captain Hook. So it always has been a dream of mine. And, um, you know, the first big role was a, um, gosh, an independent film we shot on the streets of Brooklyn called Grave's End back in 1998. Yeah. And we'd go up to a street corner, there'd be a gang of thugs there, and we'd, we'd be like, you guys want to shoot a fight scene? They'd be like, yeah, you know, and we, big fights would break out. And, uh, you know, but we improvised the whole movie. And when it was done, we got Oliver Stone to put his name on it. And I was probably the second or third biggest role in the movie. And, you know, it was in theaters. I thought, well, I'm, I'm never going to have to work outside of the movie business. Or at least, <laughs> I, thought, I thought I would just go to the mailbox and there'd just be scripts there, you know, and the offers and uh, but it kind of didn't happen that way. I just learned every other aspect of the movie business. I really focused on listening and learning and just making a long story short. I've just, let's see, I've, I've starred in a bunch of movies, um, Love and Dancing mm-hmm. with Amy Smart, Betty White, The Alphabet Killer with Eliza Dishku and Carrie Elway's Tim Hutton. And um, yeah, I've just produced my 15th film. And wow. yeah, and, and it, as far as writing goes, I'm, I'm in the Writers Guild. I've written... Uh, 30 something screenplays and I've options sold or made in the movies 24 of those screenplays. So nice. uh, Beautiful. I, I also own a company that sells movies called Glasshouse Distribution. So it, I couldn't be more <laughs> involved <laughs> in the movie business if I tried unless yeah. I started my own catering business or something like that. Other than that, I've, I've covered every aspect of, uh, of movies. So yeah. That is really cool because so growing up, I didn't have that much say into like watching movies because we grew up back in the Saudis. The only TV access we had was like from five to 10 PM. (laughs) A lot of TV. 
And we only had two channels. One was the English one, and the other one it was in Arabic language. So we just had access to very limited uh, movies and whatnot. But as coming through the timeline, I got introduced to movies, and I was like, oh, my God, this is super fascinating. This is so amazing. Let me learn a little bit more. And I never thought to go to film school. <laughs> like I was like, I'm just going to figure this all out on my own. Mm-hmm. Just like stumbling across through different technology because passion for technology. So that was really cool. Yeah. So what aspect of movie filmmaking and, and, and you've covered the whole gamut of it or what's something that people can immediately take with them and start applying and be like, okay, right, this is the step-by-step guide on how to do it. And I think that was your workshop was on. Yeah. You know, it's like that, that's, I've been kind of into that for a long time, just trying to get, you know, help people. If they go, I, I have no idea what to do, yeah. uh, get a leg up on that and try to figure out how to do that. Yeah. And, you know, because I think there's a lot, it's also maybe false information out there or just, you know, wasted time where you're going to read a book that's not really going to give you the right advice, you know? So that's kind of been my, one of my missions and, um, you know, I mean, look, at I've, I've put different, you know, Bankroll was the book that I wrote. That yeah. was kind of a gold standard book on film financing. Is you know, it's basically telling people how to raise money to shoot their own movie. Mm-hmm. And that applies to actors, writers, directors, producers. And now, you know, as I told you in the seminar, it's, um, it's all online. You know, besides the stuff that I teach live, it's all at filmmakingstuffhq.com, where we've got, I mean, over the past five years or so, Jason Brubaker and I have created like 20 different products on different areas of movies that are all really helpful. Movies and TV, by the way. Yeah. Um, so, you know, look, at I'd say that the key is there's steps that you can take literally right now mm-hmm. uh, if you wanted to be working and doing something. And I think that if you're really committed, you should start taking those steps and, you know, making your own movies, starting to plan things like that. And, uh, you know, sooner or later, that's you realize, oh crap, that's all I'm doing. <laughs> that's yes. it. I'm only doing that, and now you're 100% in the movie business, and that's a great feeling. Beautiful. So, going through the so the step by step process that you have outlined, but some of the things that that I learned were like totally mind blowing. Like one of them should have been the most obvious. Uh-huh. That script, having a good script, having a script that walks you through okay this is a story that you're trying to tell and film for a movie right that's super important and it's like the plan like the pre-planning of whatever you're looking to jump into correct yeah you know it's it's really just putting it in the best possible you know scenario as far as stacking the deck goes mm-hmm. um in your favor you know and, and I, I made the comment in the seminar and i always say this is that it you know a Great script doesn't guarantee a great movie, but the opposite is true. A, a, a bad script equals bad movie 100% of the time. So if you go start by going, well, nobody's read the script, or you know, a couple of people read it and said it was okay, it's yeah. like you're already going down a bad path. But yeah. uh, you know, the, the, the smartest thing you can do is that if you have a great script to start and, and people like it, it, oh my God, suddenly bigger talent jumps on, you get yeah. like you're involved that you never thought would be involved, and that's a great feeling. Yeah. So scripts, scripts is really good because if you're telling a story and if you have a short film to tell a story, but then you also mentioned something about documentaries, you got to have a great idea. 
Yeah, you know, if you're pitching your documentary and you're you're telling, or even just telling somebody about it, yeah. and they're like falling asleep as you're telling them, or they're like, I don't get it. You know what I mean? Like that's <laughs> you should rework that. And that doesn't mean you have to change the subject. You yeah. probably have to change your approach to the subject. Mm-hmm. You know, and, um, and you know, but but the opposite again is true. I mean, you're pitching a documentary and they go, Oh my god, I would love to see that. Yeah, it's like you know, you know, you have an audience right there. So that's that's a good thing. That's why I tell people they should always be pitching. Yeah. their projects just to get the feedback you know it doesn't doesn't matter if you feel like oh that person could do nothing for me it's like get yeah. that feedback from them and their reactions and watch i've learned so much from people's reactions to my pitches um mm-hmm. over the years so yeah nice nice so so the the short film that we shot and i want to get a get a little feedback from you if you don't mind is yeah. you know we since we started okay this is going to be a short film movie in a month but then the idea was you know it's going to be is it going to be a story where you, you start with a honey jar and then somebody's putting this honey and then you go back in time, kind of like, kind of like memento, where's this honey coming from? Like, I, so that's, that's more like a short film where you're acting stuff out. Mm-hmm. But then we ended up going in a totally different direction because we didn't have a script, but we did have an idea. Okay. We have beekeepers and you know, these beekeepers are over here. So we ended up making it more of a documentary where we're interviewing the people, the actual beekeepers. So that's what we ended up doing. So like, what, how would we, how would have we make that a little better? Well, you know, I think that planning is always the key to future success or future mm-hmm. potential success that if you had more of an idea first going in, yeah. Uh, maybe it wouldn't have got so it changed up. And now look, sometimes there's changes that make that, that, that are the, the thing that saves the movie, you know, yeah. but at the end of the day, if you have a plan and you change that plan, it'll always be stronger than if you have no, you know, no plan and you just got to kind of make one up on the fly, yeah. um, you know, so, and then hope that you step in the right, you know, pile of gold <laughs> instead of the pile of crap. So <laughs> I, I think that, um, you know, just having a, an idea and a plan beforehand next time yeah. that, do it. it may not it may deviate from that but at least you'll know um, that it's it's somewhat of a you know mapped out you started with the destination in mind yeah rather yeah. than okay where are we going to go and th- that's what it actually happened is we attended tell my colleagues like okay, let's go check out this make a movie mm-hmm. month and then maybe we'll join a project or maybe you know we'll just see what happens and then uh, my colleague just came up with the idea you know the colony we're talking about beekeeping beekeep, yeah. because I'm, I'm a beekeeper myself. And it's like, oh, cool. let's talk about you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? yeah. So I had experience from a beekeeper's perspective. And I was like, I love filmmaking. Mm-hmm. This is a perfect cross section of the two. So we ended up making it more of a, like it, it all came out of nowhere. And then, and then now hopefully we can make more plans and more concrete ideas around okay what beekeeping is and that's what we ended up trying to promote and trying to talk about in the short film short film Mm -hmm. so let's see what happens i mean we we were hoping to make it more of a long-form documentary where we we visit other beekeepers all around the dmv area because there's a ton of them there's a ton well, look at it, you know anything. Look at it, there's a way to make that process work. Where is you know the limitations sometimes are time and money, mm-hmm. but when you're kind of discovering something, 
sometimes it can be interesting, you know, where you're yeah. going, all right, what do we have here? We're going to put together and you kind of see it. So mm -hmm. there's no right, you know, like where this is the only way you have to make art. I sure. just, you know, there, there's other ways that'll probably be less, you know, time consuming and less money out of pocket and, mm -hmm. and a little bit more focused. Yeah. But, you know, there could be something where, you know, you, you, you look at it and you go, all right, what do we have? And then you start gathering more beekeeper interviews or whatever the, the section is and you go, yeah. you start putting it on, you go, all right, now we're starting to make something really cool here. But you know, it's, it's, it's assembling it in a strange, in a different way, but it doesn't yeah. mean an impossible way. It doesn't mean that. No, that, to that totally makes sense because that's what we ended up thinking about. It's like, okay, let's, let's just yeah. grab more and more footage, mm -hmm. go to different places that people gather and sell honey or whatever. Yeah. And we'll, we'll start seeing a pattern, start seeing the story of, you know, of the beekeeping, the colony. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, that, that's, that's really good advice. Thank you so much. Oh, sure, sure. Awesome. So the process of filmmaking, right? So the other reasons I wanted to talk to you is being an actor and, um, I've had a knack for like, for the longest time I was like, I want to be a stand-up comedian and okay. then it's like, okay, maybe I want to do some acting. And then I heard from a friend of mine, like, Hey, check out backstage. There's acting gigs that you can jump on. And it's like, all right, this is pretty, pretty interesting. And I got introduced to this whole new world, right? And it just blows my mind, like how many dedicated platforms there are for the film industry. And like, you could just go deeper and deeper, deeper and there's more and more to learn. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, it's like the, there's, um, yeah, there's a lot of actors out there. And, you know, I, I always try to say to an actor, the ba the way to set yourself apart is to make your own stuff, you know, and not just wait mm -hmm. for the phone to ring or whatever. You yeah. know, a lot, of, a lot of times with backstage, as much as I support them or whatever, yeah. that you, you have a tons of people going for the same role. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, it's almost like cattle calls. Like, that's that's like the first stage of acting is you got these cattle call auditions. Second stage would be you have an agent or manager that's getting you appointment auditions. And then the third stage is, um, you know, you're just getting offers. People are saying, be in my movie, I'll pay you X, you know? So those are kind yeah. of stages. So, you know, you want to graduate. Backstage is a great start, but you want to graduate to getting an agent manager that's getting you appointments and getting you in the door in front of the, uh, the cast directors. Right, right. Okay. And to be an actor, do you need to go to school? Because some of the acting classes that I took or watched through online were, were through masterclass.com, and there's a few classes being taught on acting by I think there was there's one by Kevin Spacey there's one by Nicole Kidman I think but there's there's a ton of information out there yeah yeah what's the proper way to like get into that or do you just jump in front of a camera and start acting well you know some people have a knack for it I'll say that you know like training can always help it, no matter what, if you're great, you know, it's, it's just like being a boxer or, something or anything else, you know, you have to get in the ring and actually punch people, <laughs> you know, you, like, you, may, you may have a knack for it. You may be speedy with your head and your punches, yeah. whatever. That's great. You know, it's like, but you still need the training. Mm. So there, there's, there's a lot of schools out there that, that teach acting and things and you, you have to be wary. I'm not a big fan of acting school. I'm a big fan of private lessons with mm. personal acting coaches. If they're qualified and they have, you know, resume yeah uh, but at the end of the day the way to get better at movie acting is just to keep movie acting it's, it's almost like learning to swim on a chalkboard you have to jump, you have to jump in the pool you can learn everything about swimming on the chalkboard but you got to get in the water yeah and me getting in the water is being in a movie you know 
really really good analogy that's that's so true you have to be doing something like for example malcolm gladwell or seth godin say if you don't have enough bad writing how are you ever going to have some good writing so yeah. you got to get out that get out and do that bad acting totally i just said that you know i just did, there was a michael kane book who and i'm a huge fan by the way of his book acting in film uh-huh. it's just a for any of the actors that you know are out there, it's a great inspirational book because it kind of takes it from the point of view of you've already made it. Like here's, uh. here's how you want to act on set. Here's little tips. Here's how you what you want to do in your close up. Like all these things that I, I still use a lot of his techniques. Yeah. But um, you know, he was saying the key to doing great work is to do a lot of work. You know what I mean? Yes. And then eventually, one of them, you know, starts. People start to say, "Wow, this person's great." So yeah, yeah, because then you're training your mind, and 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 like you said, you know, any to get good at anything at all, you gotta be doing it. Like for example, no wonder everybody in the world walks, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Because you're not gonna tell your little child of one year old. You're never gonna walk. Don't even try. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Universal. All over the place. <laughs> yep. Don't bother. So that's that's really good. That's really good. Um, some of the other things that like totally inspired me uh, were like watching a lot of TV show or being in close proximity of of people acting. Is that, like does that do anything? Because I'm sure that that inspires you to do that more a hundred percent you know I, i'll i'll say a little stories that years ago <clears throat> and you're going back like uh gosh 15 years or so mm. you know this was when i think gravesend had already come out so i'd already done some stuff there but i wanted to see how the biggest stars and the biggest directors worked and how their process was and you know kind of and, and just take observe that and so what i did is i started taking extra work background work and you can do it through the union and then there's even ways to do it without even being in the union but you know so i was in the background a bunch of big movies and um it, it, it's funny you go to these things the yes. background movie and all these actors are like wannabes that just try to get on camera somehow yes. and i did not want to get on camera personally <laughs> i'm like i don't even see me as a background i want to i'm you know i'm a lead in a movie you know and so yeah. that's what i would say so, but I took the time to watch everybody. I remember did analyze that with Robert De Niro. Yes. And like, I was watching, I was two feet away from him, like for pretty much the whole day. Yeah. And, you know, because I, he was reacting to me in the scene and I'm just watching him, his performance, watching the director, watching the other stars. And it was like, okay, I get this. And so that's what I would say, do background work for observation only. You know, when they ask people to volunteer to be on camera, you know, all these hands that go up and I'd be yeah. kind of hiding in the back because yeah. I'm like, no way, I don't want to be seen anywhere. And so, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, that's I'm how saying. I did it. I, I mean, there, there's ones where I worked in, in background or, you know, had one or two lines or something like that and then ended up working and having bigger roles. I mean, a perfect example, I did a like a three-line role on a TV show called Kidnapped that mm-hmm. Tim Hutton was the, one of the leads on the entire show and then eventually, <laughs> you know, cutting forward some years later, I was, he was in my movie Outback Killer and I had a bigger role than he did. <laughs> so that was like, you know, kind of fun, but yeah. That's Things beautiful. Yeah. That's so beautiful. Um, so one thing that you had mentioned earlier was make your own stuff. Yeah. And so, and one of the things that reminded me of was the story of Kevin Hart and how like he came out of nowhere, right? Yeah. And, uh, reading his book and he was like, you know, I was, 
told to be a stand-up comedian because mm-hmm. that would make all these jokes. And he became a stand-up comedian after working super hard. And then he got a role in a movie. But then he had to wait for like six months or eight months for his TV show to pick up. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I am not doing this. This is not what I, this is not Hollywood for me. So he went back on the road and he's like, I'm just going to do my shows, do my shows and do my shows. Yeah. And he, he, you know, built up his audience. He built up his following so much that now Hollywood goes after him and like, hey, please be yeah. in our movie. Yeah. Well, he's a perfect example of somebody, yeah, that worked his butt off and branded himself. So by the time he was, you know, getting noticed and he was in movies, yeah, it was like he had a brand. You know, Kevin Hart was a brand and he was super popular and super famous. And so I think that that's really smart to do. It's like, you know, what when you have the key, look, at at the end of the day, there is obviously a talent component. You know, yeah. hard work does trump it, I think, eventually. Mm. But, you know, talent is is key and so you know because if kevin what i'm saying is if kevin hart wasn't the stand-up comic talent that he was he probably yes. would have his big a fan base but you know so the key is if you believe your talent and you're going out there and you're doing it now you can also get better mm-hmm. um at things like stand up you get better and better by more and more experience yeah um, and then so then sooner or later yeah you're building a brand you're building a fan base and now it's like you know that's when hollywood calls because you're bringing them value you know you're yes. bringing them eyeball. so yes. yeah Yes, that's that's so that's so true and powerful. So covered a little bit about building your own, where to go with acting. Mm-hmm. Now, from the production side of things, right, and getting funding for your movie and um, figuring out those little steps. Like, you've got the filmmaking stuff, HQ.com, and there's a ton of awesome stuff that I saw on there and I can't wait to go through everything and learn everything that I can. Oh. And by the way, I was able to find a copy of uh, your book ah. on eBay. <laughs> was, it the, was it the blue one or the brown one? Like the blue one is the first edition. The brown one is the second. Hopefully it's the got, brown one. Yeah. I got the first edition oh, because I want to have both of them. Like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot changed between one and two and then obviously two and now a lot changed but yeah 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 Thanks. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so we, we should expect a version three or or yeah. is everything online nowadays yeah everything's online you know they, they they asked me the publishers michael weiss publications are great people yeah and they asked me to write a third edition but the key was you know each time you had to write about 30 percent new material to qualify yeah. for a new edition and it, things were changing so quick that I'm like, all right, by the time I'm done with this book and it's out there, it's like, I'm going to, you know, I want to write a fourth edition. So yeah. that's why, you know, when you mentioned filmmaking stuff, HQ, HQ being for headquarters, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it, that we could always change that. We can add stuff. We can, you know, we absolutely. Out, and that's, that, that's so much more dynamic yeah. than you know, a book that's a book. And, you know, like I said, by the time I wrote even the second edition, the first edition, there's aspects in it that are completely obsolete, you know, and, and you know, talking about DVD sales and things like that. <laughs> and then suddenly, you know, by second edition, there was not even a blockbuster anymore. So it's like, you know, things change. So. That totally makes sense. Um, one thing Seth Godin mentions is that don't ever go and read uh, commentary on your books because that book is already published. You're not going to go change it. If somebody yeah. says, oh, I don't like your book or I don't like this. So yeah, yeah that's yeah. Online. having handling content online is the perfect place yeah. to store it because you can update it. You can um, have a 
a, an ongoing conversation uh, in communities like the Facebook communities that you guys have. Really, really powerful. Cool. Yes, definitely. No, agreed. And you can watch things over and over again, whereas a book, you may not do that. You know what I mean? There's very few books that I've read over and over again, but there's yeah. videos I've watched over and over again tons of times. So. Yeah, yeah. That's really cool. All right. One question that I have. So you've been in the industry for over two decades. Yeah. How has the mentality changed of, you know, from starting out to now change in the industry itself? Like where has the mentality gone from what it was 20 years ago to now? Well, I think that it was, there's a couple things. I think that there was a certain aspect that was easier back then mm-hmm. and then a certain aspect that's easier now. The aspect that was easier back then was the bigger paychecks. You know, it's like you, you used to be able to do one, uh, you know, indi- as far as a producer goes, you could produce one independent film a year. Mm-hmm. And if you did two, you were, you were rocking and rolling. Wow. And as an actor, if you did one, two, three films a year, you were, you know, making money hand over foot. So that was those things were easier because there was DVDs and there was a physical product to pack and ship, you know, like actually people would buy things. Yeah. But now that's got gone. It's all on the cloud and it's all VOD. So the profits are not there anymore. You know, you have to, a lot of, you know, people are either out of the industry or doing diversified things like myself with the distribution company, all the other stuff. But what's cool about it as an, from an actor perspective is that, there are so many more places now that, you know, you can become Instagram famous, you can become YouTube famous, but there's also, you know, the Ion Network and, and Crackle and all these other networks now versus 20 years ago, there weren't that many, you know, and, and I mean, got, going back 30 years, there's maybe five, you know, and now it's like everywhere there's a new station opening up, the new, you know, um, outlet for content. So there's more opportunities today yeah. to get out there and get in front of people, but the money is not what it was. But maybe I think that it's the shift of you're going to make less off of more in more things instead yeah. of more off of less. Very, very true. So talking, going over um, some of the notes that I took at your workshop, I don't remember if this was brought up at all, but we were talking about a lot about preparing, right? Having, making sure you have a good script, making yeah. sure that you've prepped it really good making sure you're, you know, you don't have any insane asks in there and, you know, the liabilities, blah, blah, blah. What, what are your thoughts on the, the crowdfunding platforms? Because I've funded, I've, I mean, I've been a backer on several short films or sh- several feature films on Kickstarter and Indiegogo. What are your thoughts on that? And how is that helping the movie industry? I think that it's great for a lot of people that are using it. And I think I applaud you for being a backer on, on some of the projects. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, look, at I'm not, I didn't embrace it like other people did because initially it was like, you had to put all this work in and you know, you, you did it for 45 days, 60 days or whatever. And you raised $30,000 and that would be a successful raise on, on a crowdfunding. Yeah. To me, like I'd rather spend that time, working on an investor for, you know, for double that amount and, yes. you know, and, and pitching them and, and doing all the things that I normally do. So mm-hmm. to me, it wasn't, the effort wasn't there. The other thing that I disliked about it was, I mean, I get asked to, to pitch in for movies all the time. Mm-hmm. It's we're asking family and friends for money, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like the first thing they're doing is they're, 
reaching out to their aunts and uncles and all that stuff. And it's like, it's not really not fair. And it kind of puts them on the spot. You know what I mean? Yeah. And almost be, like, imagine being at a wedding and just being <laughs> like, you know, Hey, I know that, you know, your daughter just got married, but Hey, could you give me $10 for my thing? It's like, it's like, so there's that aspect of it that I wouldn't want to do. It's like my, yeah. my friends and family, I'm not going to beg them for money. So mm -hmm. uh, those two things I don't really like. What I think that's positive about it, and one of my old producing mentors, I was embracing it. And I thought, oh, that's strange. And, and she told me it's good marketing. She didn't even care about the money yeah. raising from Kickstarter. She was caring about the, the, the eyeballs that she got involved in the story of the movie early on. Yeah that she could go and they could be mouthpieces for her later on when the movie's made. So I think that there's an aspect of it like that that's super, that, you know, helpful, but it's not necessarily my thing, let's put it that way. No, 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 that's a really good point because especially after you going through the process of defining, like writing the bankroll book and defining, okay, this is how you get funding. Like yeah. literally before Kickstarter even, ex you know, existed. There's yeah. no way, right? Like it doesn't make sense because there's, like you mentioned, there's a lot of effort and there's a lot of effort that goes into not just the campaign, the 45 days or the 60 days the campaign is live, but then like, have you prepared anything before you even started a campaign, right? Yes. So yeah, those, those really good points. Um, Cause uh, one of the examples that I can think of, of recent, so good friend, Pat Flynn of, of Smart Passive Income. He's a podcaster and a and um, a really great teacher. So they created a product for cameras for vloggers essentially. And he's like, it took us one year of pre-marketing before we even like start the Kickstarter project. But yeah. what what helped them is that in the first day or the first eleven hours, they were able to like reach their 100% goal of $150,000. Wow. You know, right. that's, that's great. You know, it's like, I think that that's the successful way to do it. There's people that are, you know, they, they just start their Kickstarter campaign and, and hope that they put it up, put a goal and 30 days, 40, 45 days, 60 days later, the money's just there. You know what I mean? They think yeah, it's exactly. Gonna, and that's not the case. You know, yeah. sometimes those people for that 150,000, he might've worked way harder than oh, I have yeah. ever done for raising 5 million bucks or something. Absolutely. Like absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But it also comes to, comes from a different, like he's been a marketer for the past 10 years, right? So that experience also plays in just like your experience of going through the process of, okay, this is where you need to do mm -hmm. the step-by-step -step to make sure that you can, you know, get funding from an investor or from a bank or wherever you're, you're getting funding from. So really, really good points. Awesome. Some cool story you'd like to share that nobody's heard before. <laughs> <laughs> cool story that nobody's heard before pertaining to the movie business. Is yeah. That, the movie business. Um, well, gosh, or anything else. I mean, yeah. Life in general, well, because this is a podcast on hacks and hobbies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? Maybe I'll do something on one of the, the hobbies that was, you know. Thank you for yeah, listening yeah, to Hacks and, and Hobbies. Yeah, we can you totally can find additional those. information yeah. on the guest today well, the, on the website, the hacksandhobbies.com. Please feel free to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out yeah. on upcoming interviews and with amazing guests. And I'm very good. And, you know, but the key was I didn't it, it was 2009 i believe and it was 
World Poker Tour Celebrity Invitational Tournament. And so it was was a two-day tournament, and they brought in all these celebrities, and I was able to get in. I just love and dancing and come out, and uh, I I was in. There was big people. I mean, Terry Hatcher and uh, Randy Couture, you know, McCarthy, Cameron Mannheim, um, you know, a lot of the guys from Entourage. It was a big, big thing. And Mm -hmm. so I went in, and (laughs) I – and we, you know, when I was a kid playing five card draw, I had no idea how to play Texas Hold'em. And I was sitting there at the table and, you know, when you meet somebody, and by the way, at my table was Laura Prepon, who from that 70s show and George uh-huh. uh, New Black and Matt Lillard from Scream. Nice. And then there was the guy, Bob Guinea, who is, I guess, the bachelor at the time. I don't watch reality much. Yeah. And so they're all at my table. Mm-hmm. And so I realized, you know, when I'm on a red carpet, I normally talk to somebody 30 seconds. Oh, you know, and I'll bring up a mutual friend, you know, oh, we had so-and-so and then blah, blah, blah. And, and that's, versus these people, I'm sitting there uh, <laughs> with them for hours, hours, <laughs> sitting there talking to each other and getting yeah. him, his number. And it's like, we're, we're hanging out, making jokes and everything. Yeah. And so I'm pretending to text on my phone, but I'm actually Wikipediaing <laughs> Texas Hold'em, pretending to text, you know, oh, I got to get back to Joe here, you know, and I'm going, oh my God, I'm, you know, and all I'm doing is reading how to do it. And, um, and, and, you know, and basically I, I posted on Facebook, somebody helped me out and people just said, fold, fold, you know, as much as you can until you get King King or Ace Ace. <laughs> That's all I did. Anyway, right. bottom line is I realized, you know, this is the way I kind of do stuff mm-hmm. normally. Um, is that I just became a student of the game. I started reading books and PDFs and playing and playing and playing. Yeah. And, you know, now that was 2009. It's like, so now it's almost 10 years later. And it's like every tournament I walk into, I'm considered one of the top players, one of the wow. three. You know, and it's like, I mean, I won the Reno Poker Tour uh, Celebrity Invitational two years ago. That's the one nice. that Jack Black used to host. Uh-huh. Uh, and I just played it again. I just, I think I came in 13th, but I, I got a bad beat. But I, I mean, I came in fifth in Ed Asner's tournament um, mm-hmm. earlier last year. And yeah. so the bottom line is I have made so many connections through playing poker. Nice. Um, one of the films I did for the underworld, I would say 90% of the cast were poker buddies. You know, Quentin, wow. Newman, who is the big guy from the blind side with Sandra Bullock. He was the star of the movie with her. Yeah. Um, he's a poker buddy and he was in a movie. We did a movie together truly because I asked him and I said, um, you know, would you love to do this? And so, yeah, I, all these people, like it, it, really, it became like the new golf in a way. Yeah. And, and that's what I love about it is that I've played a lot, many celebrities and people respect me now because I'm good. And so <laughs> there it is. <laughs> so it's like I said, it came from, if you had seen me at first when I'm playing and I had no idea what I was doing to yeah. now, completely different stories. That's that's so cool. And and it's really true, right? Like so many different hobbies, like once you get into it, you'll find people from different areas of the world that like what their profession is. Like one of the beekeepers that we interviewed, he'd been working at CNN for 10 years. He created one of the first like in the nature documentary series uh, production. And I was like, wow. <laughs> that's cool areas of people that you meet it's really really amazing yeah you know it's you do these hobbies you're right you know and i have i have several hobbies not not a ton yeah. but you know i do um i do jujitsu uh for a long time and uh you know i've met many people celebrities through there you know and i was training in beverly hills with higa machado it's like i remember wrestling with uh, ashton kutcher you know he's the he's over he can always has celebrities training there you know and uh 
it's like that that was cool and it's just a hobby you know when you, you're you're totally right when you have a hobby that's unique like beekeeping or something like that you go you find out oh so-and-so likes to do beekeeping and yes exactly. you know, like jiu-jitsu or poker yeah. and that that's fun and you end up having a common ground with that person yeah yeah really awesome so to our questions, what would be the one hobby that we should get into? And I think we talked about it. I think it's poker. I mean, as far as, you know, as far as helping your career as an actor, yeah. uh, I definitely think it's poker. Because you go in and you say, well, you know, maybe you get famous enough to be invited to these mm -hmm. tournaments. Mm -hmm. And then you go, you know, you go in, you're like, oh, I don't really know how to play. You get much less respect. Even the celebrities, like people want the good players. And yeah. those are the ones that get respect. So it, it, it took a while. But once yeah. I got good enough to people said, Oh, I, you know, don't mess with him. That was, that was a, mu a much better feeling. And, and I got a much whole new level of respect. There, so. Really, really cool. Yeah. All right. So you come from the movie industry and the TV. What would be your favorite movie or TV show? Well, the, the different for each. I mean, in movies, I have personal favorites. Like, you know, the, I, I love a lot of old movies. I love Casablanca. I love On the Waterfront because I'm a huge Marlon Brando fan. And actually, yeah. his last name is Malloy in that movie. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, Terry Malloy. So I love, you know, I love old movies. And those I just named two of my favorites. Mm -hmm. TV is different. You know, the, uh, of course, I love the, the great shows like The Wire and Breaking Bad. But I really am a huge, I was a huge fan for years of The Simpsons. You know, being able to quote any episode and just a high-level comedy. Yeah. Uh, you know, now it's like my favorite shows are still animation, still high level comedy. Mm -hmm. I think the only comedy that I watch is not animation is It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. But oh my God. Yeah, my favorite of the, the live action, but Rick and Morty, um, mm -hmm. you know, I used to love Archer and that got a little weird, but um, mm -hmm. Big Mouth, it, like to me, I, I'd say Rick and Morty is probably my favorite show currently, but okay. uh, South Park still brings it every once in a while. So yeah. uh, you know, I love animation. I love animation comedy. Very, very cool. Yeah. Um, funny thing about um, the TV show you mentioned earlier. It's Always Sunny? Yes, Always yes. Sunny in Philadelphia, right? Yeah. And I was reading their story and how they were like, okay, like for the pilot episode, they had to put something down on how much it cost them. To yeah, $200. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. It's like uh, maybe 200 bucks or something yeah. like that, right? Yeah. And I was just yeah. blown away. Like four guys to pick up a camera. Yep shoot a pilot and now they've been going on strong for what 11 12 years uh, i think they're in their 13th season 13. And, um, yeah i mean yeah charlie's got cancer was the first episode you could watch it on youtube yeah, yeah. they shot it for 200 dollars, <laughs> and it's like you know they just got it in the right hands of fx so i'd say that that's a, that's a tip for anybody is like make something that's really funny and hopefully it'll capture the zeitgeist and, and gets in front of the right people and now yeah. you're you know you're set so yeah beautiful Next question, who is your favorite superhero? Oh, favorite superhero. Okay, I got it. I would say a Green Lantern. I've always, and I'll tell you why, is that, I'm, you know, I'm not, it's not that I'm well-versed in his comics. I was a fan of the character itself. I've always wanted to play him in the big budget movie, uh, studio movie. Uh, not, you know, obviously there's multiple Green Lanterns, but Hal Jordan is who I'm talking about. Yeah. But, they screwed him up so bad and I never wanted, it was never a desire of mine to either make the movie, write the movie or be in the movie. Yeah. Until I saw the movie that they screwed up so bad. You know, this character that's notoriously has no fear and that's yeah. lost it when he was a kid. Yeah. And they make the Ryan Reynolds and he's got, he's scared the whole damn movie. It's like, what do you call You just crap all over this character. And it's just ridiculous, you know? So 
I, that would make me go, all right, this has to be done right. Yeah. And I kind of want to do it off of a rebirth, um, right. which was one of their comments that they wrote. And so anyway, the, the bottom line is I, I it's Hal Jordan. Of the nice, nice. Yeah, he is a, you know, a lot of people didn't like the movie. And funny thing, Ryan Reynolds makes fun of himself. Yes. Oh, yeah. Cool. He's like, I'm finally a superhero with an actual suit. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's great. You know, he, he, at the end of Deadpool 2, he um, kills himself, you know, when, <laughs> when he decides to play Green Lantern. That was awesome. Yeah, I love that. Yep. Yep. He's really good. Yeah. All right. Last question. If you were a board game, what would it be? Oh, gosh. <laughs> That's a great question. Um, <laughs> I would say uh, life would be an interesting one. And now, you know, the problem with the game, it was always kind of a fun game to play, but the problem with the game of life was that it, it, you had to follow certain paths or else, you know, you wouldn't uh, get the, you know, you, you didn't go to college, you never made as much money, you know what I mean? Which is not yeah. true in real life. But the cool thing about it was that it was a journey and you never know where it was going to take you. And so I enjoy that. I enjoy, I mean, I clearly have life energy, as you saw, um, 100% natural, you know, it's like oh, I, I supplements. And uh, it's, you know, I enjoy living and the adventure of new things every day, you know. And, and so I'd say that that's, uh, you know, if, what I would choose is probably a life board game. Nice. Yeah. That's that's a really good uh answer and a really good game unfortunately <laughs> i've never played life oh no game. Yeah, I need to go check it out i've, I've, I've grown up uh, playing scrabble risk and monopoly and yeah. then my recent favorite is uh katan so oh i never played katan did you ever play stratego by the way i might have yeah it's a really fun game you know it was uh who got it i think it was my brother-in-law is much younger than me got it for a christmas gift and him and i just read the directions and started playing and it was a god it's really fun strategy game yeah if you ever get a chance to play it you could pick one up you know uh we got that it was he got in the classic wooden version like nice. it was like a throwback thing that i think they they put out warner uh, not warner brothers um uh milton brother milton bradley put it out and so um yeah so check it out if you get a chance it's a real fun game to play awesome i will definitely check stratego out yeah, cool. Well, Tom, this was an excellent conversation. I really loved learning your, your life story, your journey, and talking about uh, the movies, talking about the movie industry, being an actor, producing, and just getting out there and do it. Like Nike said it best, just do it. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever's got in your mind, just go out and make it happen. Yeah, you know, I say jump in the pool, man. You jump know, it's in the like, pool. Don't, don't just talk about doing it, jump in the pool. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, thank you so much, Tom. Uh, I, I do look forward to keeping in touch with you and following your journey in the movie industry and uh, learning more about, you know, what it is to be in the Writers Guild and what it is to be the, the different areas and, in, in, you know, how to make it and I might have to learn some poker. <laughs> <laughs> I think it'd be smart to do that. So, yeah, great. Awesome. Uh, awesome. Great. Thank you so much. Yeah. For having me on the show. And, uh, yeah, check out If anybody's listening and wants to do learn more, you have to check out Filmmaking Stuff HQ, HQHQHQHQHQHQHQHQHQHQHQHQHQHQHQHQHQHQHQHQHQHQHQHQHQHQHQHQHQHQHQHQHQHQHQHQHQHQHQHQHQHQHQHQHQHQHQHQHQHQ
in the show notes and looking forward to talking to you. And then I'll let you know when the podcast goes live. Great. Thank you very much for having me. Take care. Cool. Congratulations. You made it to the end of the episode. Thanks so much for listening to our guest on this episode. Please send me an email at junaid at hexandhobbies.com to tell me what you loved about our guest today. You could find links mentioned in this episode on the hacksandhobbies.com website. 